Commencing countdown. Three, two, one. This is the Contracting Experience. Connecting government contracting professionals to the world around them through conversations with acquisition influencers, insights into evolving hot topics, and sharing lessons learned from the field. In this episode, we sit down with Chief of the Contracting Business Systems Division under the Office of the Deputy Assistant Secretary Contracting, Mr. Jay Olson. Mr. Olson talks about the transition from Air Force Contract Writing System Conrite to ConIT. This episode gives important information to all members of the acquisition team on what they should expect in preparation for and transition to the new ConIT system. Mr. Olson also introduces the Conrite Transition Plan, which can be found by Air Force acquisition professionals on the Air Force Contracting Central homepage. Welcome, Jay Olson, to the podcast. Hi, great to be here. Thanks, Amber, for, for having me. Very much for looking sure. forward to this conversation. For sure. So, Jay, in October, Department of the Air Force Contracting came out with the Conrite to ConIT transition plan. Can you tell listeners why the plan was created and what type of information is outlined in the plan? Yeah, about, about two and a half, three years ago, I started to recognize that we have a we have a very big change management effort ahead of us here, not just with SPS, which we were is what we were working at at the time to get those users into ConIT, but we have a similar problem with Conrite and later with ASIPs to follow. So I went about starting to write a plan to be able to corral the efforts of a few thousand people. We have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 3,000 folks in Air Force contracting and Space Force contracting that use Conrite. And, and so we know that the problem is complex. So in order to line the efforts of many folks, I wanted to put together a document. And it's no accident now that I'm, I'm here at SAP AQCI that this is the very first thing that I wanted to, to put out there to the field and that we're setting a priority to be able to take care of the, the systems community by getting them into ConIT while concurrently keeping ConIT operational and, and keeping it at a very high level performance for the folks who are already using ConIT. And so this plan was really intended to, to set some direction, set a North Star, and even provide quite a bit of detail for, for the things that are to come. It doesn't give every bit of information in terms of, uh, of step by step. We'll have other documents that support this plan and provide more tactical guidance. but. We wanted to give the roadmap at maybe not a 50,000 foot view, but maybe a 30,000 foot view mm-hmm. of all the things that need to take place and, and the process itself to make it happen, to align the efforts of all those folks and to actually do the mechanical work to, to get the transition to be successful. I mean, like you talked about change management, like it's it's nice, I think, especially for people on the workforce to see that there there has been some thought put into this, you know? Yeah. In fact, so, so this isn't our first rodeo with trying to sunset Conright. As, as you may know, we've, we've been working at this problem for the greater part of, well, my entire career and greater part of the last 20 years or so, we've had a few false starts and in, in, in putting Conright to bed. And uh, now we are to the point where 
Con IT is gaining altitude and we are moving out quickly to make this happen as Conray has had a number, and this won't be any surprise to folks who've been using Conray, but Conray's had a number of problems over the past couple of years. It's a 20th century system operating in a 21st century environment in terms of living on our network, modern network infrastructure. And now we have so many people in the workforce uh, working at home and they're literally, they couldn't have worked from home until the pandemic started. Now they're literally dialing or remoting into a computer that's off-site somewhere on an Air Force installation, and they're operating Conrate remotely. And it's it's suboptimal, but it's something that, that we've had a few false starts on, and now we're gaining altitude. We've put a lot of thought into this. We've been doing a lot of testing for migration data migration in the background. AFL-CMC has really done a lot of work to set the, the pace and, and prep the battleground to make the, the movement of the data from Conrite to ConIT possible. And so we're continu continuing to work through that. And uh, there's just, there's so many things that have been going on behind the scenes that we wanna start actually communicating those things now because there really is a sense of urgency to sunset Conrite because as I mentioned, it is aging. And there's also a sense of direction in that we know exactly what it's going to take to do this. Now it's a matter of prepping the battlefield and aligning all the cannons and getting everything set to go. So how should the contracting workforce prepare for the transition to con IT? So there are a couple different things and avenues that we're taking to make the transition happen. So maybe I'll I'll start there and then then I can kind of talk about just the the work that's required to make it happen depending on where they are in the process. So the first thing that we're doing is what we're calling swivel chair. And basically what that means is we are operating both Conrite and ConIT in parallel. Both systems are being operated at selected offices and locations to make it possible to create brand new contracts in ConIT while working on existing contracts in Conrite to, with the goal of, of closing them out. So the very first thing to do while we're in this swivel chair posture, as I mentioned, is to close out contracts. And we have a lot of contracts to close out. So we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 48,000 contracts total that we see as being eligible to migrate and actually move the contract from Conrite to ConIT. What we wanna do is limit the amount of contracts that we actually have to move. And the way to do that is to close them out. And we have a lot of contracts that are sitting on the shelf collecting dust that have been in some cases for decades and, and so there's going to be a lot of discussion and you're going to hear a lot of senior leaders over the course of this year to talk about closing contracts out, doing so in a strategic manner, such that we are not um, handling onesies, twosies, but we're tackling and, and doing omnibus settlements. And we're, we're taking advantage of some of the tools that are available to us in DFARS 204 with also just having the Part 42 authorities to us that where we're doing work to close out contracts in mass using quick closeout and the 17 and 18 NDAAs, they, they both give us some, some authorities there. So you're going to hear a lot more about that. And the users should be closing out contracts. This is my first message for swivel chair and for the second method, which is data migration itself. So at some point here, as we're continuing to test in the background the data migration capability and to develop the, the tools necessary to move the contract data from Conrite 
over to Con IT, some point that capability is going to mature to the point where we're ready to put it out to the field to actually start that process of actually moving that data. As we prep for that, there's certain work that has to be done to contracts to make them eligible to migrate. So we're doing all of this in, in kind of a concurrent fashion where folks are going to be in the swivel chair posture, learning con IT, operating it, creating new contracts, but we still have to do something about the old contracts. And mm-hmm. if some of them obviously aren't going to be able to be closed, we're going to have to bring them into the new system. So certain contract modifications will have to be cut to change uh, various different parts of contracts to make them uh, up to snuff for migration. Because what we're doing with Conright data is, is we're taking something that did not have a particular uh, data standard to follow. Um, the data in some cases is unstructured, meaning that there's a lot of freeform text. And we are putting it into modern day format and protocols and that type of thing, where we are actually now starting to follow some standard ways of collecting data and, and transmitting that data to our partners. So we have to do some work behind the scenes through our PCOs and, and buyers to modify contracts to make them eligible. And then we also have some automation that we're working on to try to limit the load of work that will come on to the, the buyers and PCOs. So this is very similar to what we did with the SPS process. However, the the outlook here for Conright is that there's a little bit more work to do in this area just because of the size of the contracts, the age of the contracts, the various non-compliances with modern day standards that we have, that we have to, to actually account for. Not saying that anybody did anything wrong when issuing the contracts, that's, that's not where I'm going. But what I'm saying is we're playing by a different set of rules now than existed 10 years, 15, 20 years ago. And so there's some, there was some work to do on that ground. And we're going to provide a set of reports to each location that's operating Conrate to say, here are the things by contract that you need to work on. So I'm hoping that we can provide some instructions with that and, and that we're going to be able to give some direction so that it's not just a well, go figure out how to make your contract work. We're going to provide some guardrails there. So what should the workforce expect once transitioned to con IT? This is a very interesting question because it really is going to depend on where you sit. Um, So maybe I'll I'll kind of just go through a a couple different uh, groups of folks. If you're a buyer or PCO, obviously at the very superficial level, con IT is going to look different. It doesn't look like Conrite. It has the modern veneer to it. It's web-based. Um, it has a different way, place, a set of places to click and, and to do your work. That's at the very superficial level. But behind the scenes and, and, and process-wise, there are some very fundamental things that will change about how we do business. One of them is what we call procure-to-pay. And ConIT is implementing procure-to-pay, what we call handshakes. And by that, and and if you're not familiar with that, I highly recommend that you go Google procure to pay because you can find all kinds of good information on this that DPC put out various policy memos over the past few years. But basically, one of the key concepts here is that the financial system needs to match the contract writing system, which needs to match the entitlement system. And so by that, Conright users are not used to getting a PR, for example, 
fed in from Deems or FRC or someplace to go automatically into Conrite. That's something that they tried to tackle years ago. It didn't end up happening. But now it's here with ConIT, where the PRs start at the FM side of the house. They come directly into ConIT automatically. And the key change on this is that when FM puts in a clean structure, that clean structure in the PR needs to match one for one what's in the contract writing system. So gone are the days of when you'd have maybe the PR would say one clin. And then you would, the buyer would take that, interpret it, and spread that one CLIN across 100 different CLINs on the contract itself. They're, the idea here is to be able to have traceability back through all, the, all those different systems. And so that's going to be a bit of a change for folks because if the CLIN, just in this example, is say that, that you don't have 100 CLINs coming in, uh, but you need 100 CLINs in the contract writing system, contracting is going to have to increase communication with FM to get that rectified. And so every bit of that contract is going to have to match um, for the data fields that matter. And that will be a culture change. We've, we've seen that with the folks who've already started Swivel Chair, because we have about 450 Conrite users now using ConIT via Swivel Chair. As of this past FY, we got a bunch of different offices in, about 18 or so different offices in. That's been one of the biggest shocks to the system is that the PR feeds ConIT. Another thing that, that at the buyer PCO level, that they should expect is the data validation that comes with ConIT. There, there, there's something called the procurement data standard, which is the modern day standard that we're following uh, with all of our contract writing. And users of, of ConIT are going to write their contracts and they're going to get a validation just like you did with check for errors and ConRight. But the validation is going to have a lot more checks and a lot more different guardrails on there to say, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And so there's goodness in that because it's helping us write better contracts. It reduces the amount of problems that could happen downstream because what a lot of folks don't realize is that they write their contracts and then somebody at DCMA or DFAS or somewhere in the, in the, the business partner value chain has to rectify problems down, downstream. A lot of those are, are taken care of upstream through ConIT using the validation service for the procurement data standard. But that's goodness and it's also badness because that means that, that if, if you're not writing contracts to what the regs require you to do and, um, and you're not anticipating these different validation checks and it just takes a few contracts and you get the hang of it. But mm -hmm. at first, it might be a shock system that could slow you down. So right. we're going to have to do a lot of training and, and, and work on that to make sure that folks are prepared. So that's at the user level. There's several other things, and, and we'll work to communicate some of them. But at the management level, we're used to getting very great reports through various different sources. Um, and Conray produces wonderful reports to be able to tell you how many contracts X buyer did in such and such period of time and what the dollar values were, et cetera. ConIT, the focus since the beginning has to be has been to develop capability, make it possible to write contracts, and we'll get the data later. So over the past year and a half or so, really starting with, with COVID, we've done some very great things. My predecessor and others have done some really great things to start building out our business intelligence capabilities, our reporting capabilities, and, and so we still have some work to do here. 
but from a managerial perspective, that is something that, that we'll have to make sure that, that we're managing expectations on as there's still development required to make it possible to, to get all the insights that we want. But that's where we're going. And that's why we're collecting the data using this data standard that I'd mentioned, the procurement data standard. And it's why we are, um, we are modernizing. It, it was at least it's one of the reasons why we're modernizing is to be able to get insights and make better, faster, cheaper business decisions, that type of thing, um, to, to just really inform our business and to build a better feedback loop. And I'm hoping that, that as we get used to Con IT, that we'll be able to get there. And we're gonna be able to do all kinds of other great stuff. In fact, I would recommend that folks go look at the video that SAP APCI put out earlier this year, detailing what the vision is for Air Force contracting, particularly as it comes to, to e-business. There's some really great stuff in there about having intelligent document processing, about operating Con IT in a disconnected environment where you can turn off the internet, write your contract, and then once you have the internet again, you can come right back to it. And, and there's some things out there that are vision-wise, aspirational things that we need to get to. And so I highly recommend that everybody take a look at that if you haven't already. And so what we're doing now is getting the Conright users in so that they can play in those games too. And, and so that they can benefit from the various different things that we're working on to build out a better system that's more sustainable for the 21st century and is going to have the architecture and, and everything that, that our users are expecting. A long answer to a short question there, but there's a lot of goodness that will be coming from Con IT. And, and best of all, um, it, it means that people aren't going to have to be using Conrad anymore. Right. <laughs> I think that's going to be huge because Conrad is just is just buckling under under the pressure of everything else that's going on around it. Right. I think it was a great answer. And I think you addressed, like you said, the different levels of folks that are going to be you know, taking whatever the system's going to be putting out, whether they're putting inputs in or trying to take what finance is putting in to actually write their contracts or from a management perspective, looking at the data and how to make decisions based on that. Um, so this is, you know, it's not a easy, you know, there's a lot to this. And so I appreciate you going into it. Um, and I think the transition plan does a great job of addressing some of these things more in depth for folks as well. So I do want to put a plug that you did get put out there on the Air Force Contracting Central, a link to the Conright Transition Plan. Um, so I encourage folks to go take a look at that so they can get more information on what is happening currently and what's coming their way. So Jay, what asks, asks do you have for the acquisition community through this transition process? I would say the, the very first thing that we need to ask people to do is, is to be patient and to be flexible. Just like if you're traveling to a foreign country um, or, or you know, any other number of situations in, in life, you know, you're in the airport and you may experience delays in, in your flight and that type of thing. I would ask that, that folks go into this with an open mind, that they work to, um, they work to, to try to experience Con IT through the Con IT lens. And what I mean by that is don't go about this and thinking, well, Conright did this and ConIT doesn't do that, or this is how it's done in Conright. It should be the exact same way in ConIT. Mm -hmm. The goal here wasn't just to take Conright and copy and paste it into ConIT. 
what we're doing here is we're taking the best of breed across four different systems. We've already sunset SPS. We've sunset O contracts, which most people probably have never even heard of, um, but that was used in the contingency environment. So we're taking the best of breed there. We're taking the best of breed with, with Conright and, and the same thing with ASIPs to follow. And so necessarily by taking four systems and putting it into a new system, and by the way, that was baselined off of a different system from DISA, we're, we're trying to bring together a product that, um, that helps contracting officers and buyers be efficient in their jobs and have it be intuitive and have things uh, just be more user-friendly and also help people get their jobs done quicker. And, and, and that's, I, I, would just, I would just say that the, the flexibility is key with this and just do not just filter everything through the Conright strainer because I think that that will make it harder to get used to ConIT. If you can use Facebook, you can use any modern application out there of any sort, you can use ConIT. It's, it's a really easy thing to pick up. It's just a matter of you might have to click in a different place to do something, or you might have a few more options for something that you didn't have in Conright, or you'll have to get used to the fact that, that there's more data collection and less freeform text. And so I would just say flexibility is key. So I have a hard hitting follow-up question to that then. So are you telling me there's no like picture of a group of Santas when you're creating a new contract in Con IT? <laughs> there's no Santas. Oh there's my no gosh. Santa. I know. <laughs> what am I gonna do? <laughs> Some of the humor is lost with Con IT, but you know, maybe at the end we can do an ECP of some sort to try to pepper it in. I don't know. But but we gotta get the capability first. <laughs> there you go. Touche. Touche. All right, Jay. Yeah, no <laughs> so what are some of the key takeaways that you want listeners to leave this conversation with? Okay, so so there are system things that need to be done. So let's let's talk first about the question that I get most often. And, and, and I got this in my last job when I was at LCMC um, in charge of the, the e-business support office there. And I'm, I get this question just about every day now in this job at AQCI is when is Con IT coming? And my answer to that is that it is dependent on where you are and what you do uh, with, with your mission and how that matches up with ConIT. So let me give you just a couple examples so, and some, some perspective with this. ConIT was developed and baselined on a product um, that was really suited for operational contracting. It does wonderfully doing purchase orders and 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 you know, fewer cleanse, fewer mods, that type of thing. Um, it doesn't currently handle ELINs. It doesn't currently have UCA capability and it doesn't have a few things in there that we really need to support systems contracting. So we are doing a lot of development work in the background to make that happen. And so we are fortifying the system by making it be able to handle more cleanse by making it be able to handle more acronyms and, and various different things that are required for um, handling some of the heavy weight that comes with some of the systems contracts. But we're also working on making sure that some of those specific capabilities required for systems are embedded into the product. So if you work in an office that never does UCAS, your likelihood of using Con IT is sooner than an office that, you know, an FMS office or something that does exclusively UCAS, for example. Yeah. 
so that's that's just one example of many. But what we're trying to do is match offices capabilities, and we're doing this by Dodac, match capabilities of the system to functional capabilities of the system to the functional capabilities required by that particular office. So that's the first thing for when is Con IT coming. The second piece is what what the system itself can handle. So we know that there are technical things behind the scenes in the system within the code that need to be addressed. We know that there are things that have to be done behind the scenes, moving us into cloud one, for example, will be important for the scalability of the system. So that we know that there are certain things there that need to be done in order to bring in a huge load of, of, of new users doing what they do in Conright and, and beyond Conright, ASIPs, et cetera, into ConIT. So you may have heard General Holt's podcast earlier this year, I think it was March or April timeframe, where he talked to the number one problem with ConIT uh, was being funding. And we've been working through a lot of the funding issues, but that is a that is a limb fact that we have to, to handle because ConIT is just like any other aircraft program and that there's a lot of interdependencies, there's a lot of predecessors, successor events, there's highly skilled technical people that need to be involved in doing the coding and planning and all the different things, and money is required to make the world go around with this. That is definitely a, a catalyst and pacing item to make sure that we get folks into ConIT. Then the, the next piece of this will be uh, for when they go into ConIT, when everybody in the ConRite world does, and really, you can apply this to ASIPs, by the way. It's the same concept, is, is help desk. So we need to make sure that our support infrastructure is capable of handling the types of issues that are going to be coming in-house uh, to the help desk, and that, that we have people who are knowledgeable in the subject matter that needs to be done and in the quantity necessary. So that's something that as we go through swivel chair, we're constantly assessing not just the system capabilities and the functional capabilities, but also that support structure of, are we right sized for this? Do we have the right expertise for this? And so that is part of the, the calculus as a pacing item to get folks into ConIT. So there's a lot of, lot of uh, variables there, but it's all important in terms of bringing all this together for a cohesive picture. And that's that's for swivel chair, but it's also I would say it applies to data migration itself from when we move that data from Conrite to ConIT. Um, and for data migration, I would add that we need that that capability uh, in place. We're writing a brand new utility just like you have Con Award, and uh, there's various other utilities that most people probably don't even know about um, that goes along with Conrite. We're writing a new one called Endgame that'll make it possible to move that data. The data migration effort will be dependent on getting the requirements implemented that LCMC is leading the charge on to, to make sure that those get implemented into that software package to make it possible. So this year in FY22, we're going to be working hard to do a number of different things to ConIT to make it possible to handle systems funding dependent. And right now that's looking better, but I want to handle ELINs, I want to handle UCAS want to handle various different things with funding and, and making sure that our entitlement systems are hooked up to ConIT properly with MOCAS and various other different things. We have a bunch of different things on our roadmap that are required. And then FY23, if all goes well with 22, I would, and, and I think that we're being very ambitious with 22, by the way, and some of that might bleed into 23, and that's okay. 
Um, but in 23, our plan is to start tackling some of the R&D issues with grants and cooperative agreements. And that's a whole different set of effort that we have to start working on. Because one of the things that you may know and notice in the plan that, that we put out here is that we're not covering grants and cooperative agreements in that plan mm-hmm. yet. We'll, we'll come out with either a new plan or an amendment or, or some sort of way to communicate what that will be later. I anticipate it will be very similar, but we've got to do a lot of groundwork still to handle grants and cooperative agreements to really fully get get that capability set up in ConIT and make it possible to migrate grants from Conright, et cetera. So those are a couple of key takeaways that I want people to know is that, that, that you know, the pace of ConIT coming to you depends on where you sit. It depends on, on some of these other variables that we're working through um, in terms of developing the system, developing the migration capability, the, making sure that we've got the help desk set up. So those are, those are some key things in this, this plan that I would encourage folks to study. And by the way, the, the plan, as I mentioned early on, is, is not the, the one-stop shop for this transition. There will be other companion documents. We'll have a SharePoint site called the ConMod, Contracting Modernization Site. And we're very close to, to launching the next version of that. That was one of the lessons that we learned through the SPS migration was that was essential to have, to communicate with folks, to have dashboards to show progress of burning down the issues and burning down closeouts and that type of thing. Got the exact same vision that we're going to do that and uh, maybe even make it better, I don't know. Um, but, but the con mod site will be a place that helps folks stay attuned to what's going on with the transition effort and, uh, and, and really stay on top of all the different issues that need to be tackled. And trust me, we're going to have a blitz of all kinds of different comms to make sure that folks are aligned in the right direction and, and doing the things that we need them to do to make this possible. And if you are an AFRL person or anybody writing grants or cooperative agreements for that matter, or if you're in the ASIPs world and you're listening to this, or you know, there, there is going to be very similar work coming to you as well. Uh, when I was talking to the BOD recently, I said, one of the things that we cannot do is do this in such a linear fashion where we do systems and we ignore our FRL grant stuff until later, and then we ignore uh, the ASIPS world until the very end. We have to do this in more of an exponential, multi-channel type of fashion where we are concurrently scouting out what are the issues for ASIPS, and we're starting to do that. What are the issues for, for grants? Even if I know that I can't do ASIPs next year, which I can't, um, I'm at least getting attuned to some of those issues so that we don't have a major oversight or something later mm-hmm. down the road. And so we want to make sure that some of those things are shovel ready and that we're starting to really get that good big picture. I think that those are really the main takeaways here from this particular document e-business is changing a lot and there is so much importance on what we're doing here. This is, ConIT is our weapon system for the Air Force contracting and Space Force contracting communities. And this is very much a program uh, and it's very much got a lot of complexity to it, but this is what, this is what makes contracting hum. And this is how we get contracts out to, the, out to, uh, to contractors and get them paid and, and all the different things that make our business work. 
So it's really important that we take care of this and that we get everybody bought in and doing all the different tasks that need to be done, supporting the system properly, making sure that in my job, making sure that it's funded, that type of thing. Um, we have to we have to get this right. And so uh, I'm really hoping that by, by releasing this, that we're starting to communicate that because there are some changes coming. And, uh, and they are, in fact, coming this time. I promise that. We're going to <laughs> <Yeah>. make it happen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, well Jay, I, I think you said it very well when you called it a weapon system. It's, it's very necessary for our contract writing workforce as well as our mission partners that rely on the contracts that we, we write. So I do want to thank you for shedding light on the process and introducing the rollout of the transition plan. Thank you. I very much appreciate you doing this. This is just, it, this is great. And anytime you want to have me back, if you're willing and able to listen to me, I would love to do so. We would love to have you back. If you have suggestions for topics or people to interview or feedback on the podcast, you can submit those at thecontractingexperience at gmail.com. I want to thank you all for listening to the Contracting Experience podcast. Until next time, keep connecting to the world around you.